Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bullock, your host, and today we are talking about visual perceptual deficits, and we have two people with us, very excited. Rachel Beaver, who is an occupational therapist over on our Purple Team in Southern Pines, is here. Hey, Rachel. Hello. And then also Sarah Mouse, who is an occupational therapist on our Blue Team, is here. So, hey, Sarah. Hi. Hey, and so before we start off, I'm very excited about this podcast because, like I told you guys, I need to know more about this particular area of deficit. I am sort of intrigued by this whole area. I see the implications during speech and language therapy when I'm working with the little people that I work with because I look at it as a whole child. So I need like more information for me. And so the reason we're doing this is because I want the information and we thought it would be a good podcast. So we're like killing two birds with one stone. So I'm learning something from this. So I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) So um, so I have ulterior motives. But anyway, let's get us all started, right? Because uh, neither one of you guys have done a podcast with me yet. So we need to tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do. And Rachel, why don't you introduce yourself first? Okay. So I'm an occupational therapist, like she said, with our purple team. And I'm a new grad. So I graduated in May and I've been working with PDT for five months now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we do have a variety of diagnoses. And so I have a couple of kids that I've worked with that have visual impairments and see a lot of kids that's a comorbid thing with other diagnoses. So we're going to try to shed some light and talk about some of those and some of the therapy implications. There you go. I'm excited. All right. So Sarah, you introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Sarah Maust. I'm also an occupational therapist. I work with our blue team in the Fayetteville Oliver Street office. I've been practicing for about two and a half years now. I see a wide range of diagnoses. A lot of kids that, you know, might have autism as well as a visual impairment or CP, cerebral palsy, as well as a visual impairment. And sometimes they don't even have a diagnosis, but there is visual involvement. There you go. So really, both of you guys, Sarah, you're in the clinic all the time. Yep. And then, Rachel, you have a combined clinic slash St. Hills Children's Center schedule. Yeah, so that's birth to three. That's a developmental preschool. And then the outpatient office has kiddos that are more elementary, middle school age. So so y'all really, by the end of the day and end of the week or whatever, you see the same general ages of groups because, Sarah, you've got some little peoples yep. and then also some big people. And, Rachel, mm-hmm. you too. So basically, your caseloads are very similar, just Sometimes, Rachel, you're at a different site for one of your groups. So we're going to start with introducing the topic of visual perception deficits, right? Mm-hmm. Not visual perceptual. You could say it either way. You I could? Like. Yeah. 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 So somebody else besides me is going to have to define this because <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for the education. And in case you know, everybody understood prior to this, I'm here to be educated. So somebody give me the definition for children with this type of deficit. Okay. Well, visual perceptual deficits encompass a wide range of visual difficulties. For example, visual perceptual deficit is basically like an umbrella term. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of other more specific things going on. So when you say that there's a child with visual perceptual deficits, they might have trouble with hand-eye coordination. They might also have trouble with form constancy. There are two different things that fall under this umbrella. I feel more specifically define visual perceptual deficits. We kind of have to hone in on each little category. 
Got it. Is it like a junk pill term, kind of like cerebral palsy? Is it that broad? I wouldn't say it was that broad. What do you think, Rachel? Well, we kind of use the metaphor of a visual pyramid. That's something that like we learned in school as far as the development of vision and like milestones. So I know we have that on and there's kind of your foundational skills with your vision, your visual attention. Are they attending to stimuli in the environment? You know, like a baby, it starts with high contrast things and then more complex. And then you have like visual discrimination. Are they recognizing properties of objects? Then visual scanning, being able to pick out objects that they want, visual tracking and scanning. And then like visual motor is like the top one is the eye-hand coordination. Now we can actually combine what we're seeing with like an action. Mm-hmm. So that kind of has a hierarchy. So basically, if a child is diagnosed with visual perceptual deficits, then really underneath that broad heading, then there's various like things that you could work on. Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. All right. Well, that makes good sense to me. So, Rachel, you talked a little bit about that visual pyramid. Is that what you use in when you're diagnosed? Or what? Help me understand that visual pyramid a little bit better. Well, it's just kind of a way to show like the development of vision. So mm. as far as if you work with a child and maybe they have visual impairments, obviously, depending on their age, you might expect them to be at a different place on the pyramid or like what you know, kind of things you'd expect them to do that's age appropriate. Then as far as then later having goals or how, you know, kind of working them up that pyramid as far as developing skills. You could also think of the visual pyramid as if you don't have the ability to visually attend to a person in the room, your toy, that's the foundation. And you have to have the ability to attend in order to build upon it, be able to track the ball or the rattle as someone is moving it, or to be able to look at a circle and copy it Hmm. right next to it, that sort of thing. Okay, so this whole visual pyramid thing. This is new for me. Y'all been keeping this a secret because I don't know about this visual pyramid thing. Um, <laughs> you haven't really been keeping it a secret, no. but um, obviously I haven't been paying like attention. This is good. So in the visual pyramid, your first thing is visual attention, like what you just said. You have mm-hmm. to just see if they can just attend to mm-hmm. people, objects in the room. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And then visual discrimination. How does that differ from just visual attention? Well, attention is just being able to like lock in on the object that they're playing with or um, the person that they're engaging with. Whereas visual discrimination is the ability to tell the difference between two different objects. Say you have three cars lined up and two are blue and one is red, the ability to pick out that red car. Or you have a bunch of shapes lined up and want, you know, find the one that's different or find the object that's the same. What age are you looking for a lot of visual discrimination? I would say it can be different depending on the child and the diagnosis, Mm -hmm. but I would say by the time they're in preschool, they should be able to, you know, okay, find, you know, think about the Sesame Street game, which one of these things doesn't belong, that kind of age group. So there's certain levels of visual discrimination anyway, you know, kind of Uh thing. Gotcha. Okay. Well, then talk to me a little bit about visual scanning. So Rachel, explain visual scanning. With that one, it would be more related to figure ground and being able to look at a busy background and be able to pick out something specific. It also apply just to like your basic pre-literature, pre-reading type of skills. Like, you know, are you understanding the idea of scanning left to right, the top a strategy for how you're scanning and not just random. But that's kind of the next skill level up as you, you know, can recognize differences in objects and then can you find an object in the background or even like visual tracking? Can you follow a ball, follow mm-hmm. a ball that's moving? So then you can then work on catching and throwing the ball, which should be kind of then going up to your visual motor skills. Do you have the right. eye-hand coordination? Are you getting the coordination to, you know, look at something and then copy it, write it down or, you know, copy 
shapes or design or doing a puzzle, doing shape sorters, doing kind of those next level up matching things and whether it be gross motor or fine motor skills. And that's kind of in the top level then that you're getting to. Gotcha. So you're basically building the pyramid with each one of these. First, visual attention, then visual discrimination, visual scanning, and visual motor. Exactly. Yes. Got it. All right. That makes sense to me. So I've heard the concepts in the visual pyramid, just never the word visual pyramid. So I'm feeling a little less left out now. I'm with you. Okay. Got it. (laughs) Considering I feel a little left out of the OT lingo. (laughs) It's an OT thing. Yeah, it is. So explain to me a little bit more also about other visual problems that you see kids have and other issues that that are there with vision. So we talked a little bit about visual discrimination, scanning, visual motor problems, but then what else is there? Like Sarah, what else do you normally see? There are a number of different things that we can see going on with a kid. For example, being able to identify the characteristics of an object. You know, this is something that would be lower down on the pyramid, but you know, Figuring out what the shape is, what the size is, what's big or smaller, what color it is. And then also, you know, moving up the pyramid a little bit more, a little bit higher level skill would be visual closure. And that's the ability to recognize the parts of a whole. Mm. So, you know, that would go into things like putting puzzle pieces together. You know, here's your whole shape, but it's broken up. How do you make it? one thing. See, that's a big speech and language thing that I work, uh, like parts of a whole. Mm -hmm. And so I see a lot of little three-year-olds who have some definite issues with that whole identification of parts of a whole. So it may be a language problem we got going on. But But it could also be a vision problem. Yeah, see? Mm -hmm. And again, moving up the pyramid, also spatial relationships. Mm. And this could manifest in a couple different ways. It could be, you know, within the environment, having trouble knowing where their body is. Okay, where am I in relation to this table or this toy? But it could also be something that you see more on paper in their schoolwork. You know, their letters are floating up off the line or Mm. sinking down below that baseline that they should be writing on or they're really squished up close together or they're, you know, each letter is a mile apart. Hmm. So so then talk about the child's body in space. Would these be kids that run into things a lot or would they be falling over Possibly, things yes. a lot? Or? It could be your kid that, you know, trips and is identified as clumsy. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like sort of coordination with sports or they could... Yep. It could definitely impact yeah. playing sports. But at the same time, you could have a kid that does well with those gross motor skills, but then just has difficulties with spatial awareness on the paper in their schoolwork, which right. I've seen. And I, Rachel, I don't know if you've seen this, or and Sarah, you too, but we get a lot of referrals for kids with poor handwriting or they have trouble with handwriting, but then maybe it's not as much of a handwriting, because it sounds to me like some of those little people, it's not as much a handwriting issue that could be like a visual perceptual problem. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's it's spatial awareness. Hmm. Yeah. There's one guy that we've been working with. That's really, I think more of his issue with handwriting that he really has difficulty. If you give him a whole sentence, being able to look at that and copy it, but he does a lot better when it's one word at a time or one letter at a time, his writing drastically improves the neatness of his letters, his like formation of his letters, the spacing that he has, how like good line adherence, all of those things. It's really hard for him to look at all of that busyness and be able to focus on what he's trying to write, what he's trying to copy, and he'll get very frustrated, just kind of quit. But his handwriting is much, much better when you kind of downgrade it like that. So that's kind of one example. He's here for handwriting, but 
definitely is more of a vision thing for him. Right. I could see how the, the referral will come in as a handwriting problem, or that's sort of how it manifests, but the underlying issue is the visual issue. Yeah, that's good. Okay, and then what other kind of things do you see? Visual memory, mm-hmm. and this is the ability to remember information. It's like if you're in a classroom setting, or even I'll do it in the clinic, I'll put something up on the wall. The ability to look up and Uh see it on the board or on the paper, and then remember that information and transfer it to your paper, or even sometimes two papers side by side. Okay, look at this shape and draw it on your paper. Some kids might have to go back three, four, or more times because the ability to hold on to that visual memory is Mm. hard for them. That's interesting because that triggers for me thinking, okay, well, how does that visual memory then tie into it could impact... It definitely, it has a lot of, yeah, it could impact language a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even... Obviously, academic issues, Mm -hmm. you know, take notes, be able to do spelling words. I mean, spelling is a visual memory skill. I mean, you have to be able to look at a word and remember, you know, the sequence of the letters and be able to retain that enough to, you know, learn the spelling of the word. Mm -hmm. I mean, in reading is very much visual memory too. And even parts of a whole, you know, you see the first part of the word. And to get faster at writing, you need to be able to see the first part. And, you know, that triggers your visual memory like, oh, I know this word. Otherwise, the kid's going to be spending all their time decoding the words and they're not actually comprehending what they're reading because they can't speed up their reading enough to comprehend it quickly. You know, they see part of the word and they recognize it or they, you know, remember the content of the sentence. So that might be one area of academics that you could see an issue. I could see it. I was getting ready to say, I'm glad you said something about sight words because I could completely see that with sight words because I saw visual memory. And they're not decoding or anything. They're not reading phonetically there. That's just visual memory. You know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That could cause issues. Yeah, I can see that. Another area where visual memory can be an issue is in math. I mean, think about if you're trying to copy something, an equation out of a book. You know, it might be four plus two, but you don't see the two or you think the plus sign is a division sign. Suddenly you have an answer that's completely different and you have no idea why because you know you saw something different you know your visual memory didn't catch that totally and so and word problems are there's so much language and math now than it ever used to be when I was in school I mean kids are getting word problems in first grade and then just understanding like you know Rachel was saying if you can't read the word problem you can't put those concepts together you can't really understand what they're asking you then you're never going to be successful this has all kinds of implications oh my heavens to mercy I'm so glad we're doing this podcast. This is all eat up with some speech and language issues because you can work with a child all day long on comprehending what they're reading and memorizing points out of a paragraph and answering questions, the main idea and all that stuff. But if they're not able to read and decode it and know what they've read, I mean, you're going to be hitting a brick wall. I had one example I was just thinking of since you were mentioning, you know, working in speech. And this is something we in the speech therapists here working with one girl had done is she really struggles with that. And so we had her start taking like visual notes or like one word notes as she's reading, which actually was more like we were reading it and then like we would have her practice reading or maybe we just read it to her. So she wasn't trying to do the decoding and the comprehension, but just can she hear something and take notes as she goes and then later try to recall the information and summarize it and come up with, you know, a sentence, a thought. That was her homework. And she's really struggling with that homework to read a book and then write a thought about it. Yeah. You ask her, what do you think of the story? I don't know. You know, there's no memory. So that made a huge difference. I mean, she still need cueing, but her being able to come up with a thought about the sentence or about the book. What did she like best? Let's look at our notes, our pictures. We know what thing did you like? Oh, I liked this one. Okay, we're going to write a sentence about that one. And it made a big difference having those visual notes as she was going or those little cognitive cues, like one words 
to remember what she'd read. So that was one thing that the speech therapist and I did together. That was kind of her starting her idea. And we both started using that. I love it. That's great. So practical and functional. I love it. That's awesome. I know we've mentioned figure ground discrimination in passing, but I just wanted to get into that a little deeper. It's the ability to pick out objects in a busy background and it can impact the child's ability to do a lot of different things. It could be, you know, finding their pair of socks on their messy Mm. bedroom floor. It could be finding a word in a word search. It could be finding Waldo and where's Waldo. I was just thinking Where's Waldo, Waldo, all those kinds of things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's figure ground discrimination. Yes. Yeah, I'm terrible at those Waldo books. I hate those Waldo books. I'm so bad at it. (laughs) Me too. You're not the only one. Oh my gosh, I can't stand it. Oh, I mean, I don't have anything personally against the Waldo dude, but man, it's ridiculous. And word searches. Yes, word searches. They're so hard. Hmm. I need some OT. All right, okay. We need to talk a little bit about how this type of deficit affects children at different ages. We've touched a little bit on, you know, implications and stuff, but how it sort of looks for a younger child versus an older kiddo. You know, defining kind of what you're going to assess on a younger kid versus an older kid. That's why I guess what I'm asking. With a younger kid, I would start by looking at, you know, are they looking at mom or dad's face or the therapist's face as they're talking? You know, are they orienting to the person and their environment? If they're holding on to a toy in their hand and it's out in front of them, are they looking at it? If you move something around in front of their face, do their eyes follow it? So that's like that visual attention and then that tracking skill. And that's, are you t- I didn't mean to interrupt, but is that like an infant or what age group are you talking about for um, that skill? Infant through toddler, I mean, mm. depending on where they mm-hmm. are developmentally, of course, mm-hmm. that's going to impact what they're able to do. And adding to that, you know, as they get a little bit older, visual skills would be picking up an object and putting it into a cup or building a three block tower, which, you know, we think of these things as fine motor skills, but there's a huge visual component to them as well. So, you know, if they're having trouble with the spatial aspects or even just tracking the object as they're moving it, it's going to impact the motor skills as well. When we're talking about all that, it makes me think of uh, like little preemies because those are some of my most favorite people in the whole wide world. I love a preemie baby, and um, I think they're just so cool and interesting. But anyway, a lot of times from a speech-language perspective, I'll see little preemies who maybe aren't making as much facial like connection with mm-hmm. parents or whatever or people, and sometimes right. they're not really attending as well to like objects and stuff like that. And so for me in my speech-language world, the whole attention to people and faces and all that is such a huge social pragmatic, and so much right. language stems out of that interaction between the mom and the baby. and You can see how from a very yeah. young age, vision yeah. things can affect social interactions as well. And another thing that could be happening if they're having trouble with any of these areas that fall under the umbrella of visual discrimination is that it takes so much energy for them to get their body to do what they need to do that they get visual fatigue, which means they're just, they're tired from, you know, and so they need to look away. They need to, you know stop, yes. you know, looking for where that puzzle piece goes. Sure. And they also could make them cranky. Yeah. So they could consider like a fussy baby when they're really not fussy. They're just mm-hmm. pooped out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Exactly. Oh, golly, Moses. Yes. That just makes me start thinking. That's why I say golly, Moses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the reason I talked about the preemie babies is because I think for them, sometimes we see so many children who are born early and sometimes vision and hearing is sort of just 
part of that. They may not have a formal diagnosis of a syndrome or anything. They're just a preemie, but sometimes they have like a reduced delay. vision or delay, and then they kind of, it's just, hmm. And then just, you might yeah. see some of the same things with older kids as well. Right. Yeah, definitely. With a child that's a little bit older, you are probably going to see like the presentation of them maybe having difficulty with closing a circle when they're drawing or keeping their letters on the line. Difficulty, you know, scanning to find objects in a room or in their desk at school. Difficulty copying from the board, having that lack of coordination, appearing clumsy or having trouble with their motor planning, with their just eye-hand coordination skills for like your ball play, for your sports, you know, type of skills. So you're going to see more issues. Like we kind of talked about some of those academic skills, you know, they don't have these foundational vision skills and therefore now when they're having more demands in school with their reading, writing, math, they, they're really having difficulty. And especially with they're getting older when to do sports, like, you know, not b- being able to track the ball and catch it or to throw it at a target or dribble it. And so we have one little boy, he was having such a hard time with catching and throwing. And then our PT realized like when she was just holding the ball and just moving it, he couldn't even follow it, just moving, let mm. alone just, just wow. like in, if he's laying on the ground and the ball's like swinging overhead of him or she's just moving overhead of him, you know, he's stationary, the ball's stationary. Just even following that was really hard. So like, no wonder he couldn't catch yeah. the ball or to throw it accurately. And one thing with him that she didn't mention with infants, but you would really see with infants is he has nystagmus also. You could tell when he was trying to do his visual tracking and scanning, which is just the eyes bounce. Right. And naturally your eyes should do that if you are spinning and then you stop suddenly, like your eyes keep moving because they think your body's still moving even though your body stopped. So it's like, you know, something your eyes should do at the right time. But if the child's stationary or they're just following the ball back and forth, you shouldn't be seeing that bouncing or they're trying to track a toy, you shouldn't be seeing that. So that's kind of a red flag that, hey, there's a vision thing going on because you shouldn't be seeing that happening. So you shouldn't be seeing the nystagmus. You shouldn't be seeing that if they're stationary. That was something with him, like his eyes were doing that, which he now has glasses and it makes a huge difference Uh for his girl. Motor and fine motor skills. Nice. That was something that he needed to get glasses. That was one example for an older child. Well, when you're talking about these little school age people, I'm just thinking about my kids' classrooms. I mean, my own children's classrooms at school and stuff. And I can just see, like, you see some kids' desks are neat as a pen and everything just in order. And they've got their books piled up right and their notebooks piled up. And you see other little children and their desks are a mess. Like, everything's stuffed in everywhere. But, you know, I think if you probably have some vision issues, probably you're going to be in the messy desk area group uh, maybe probably you know? i mean there's a lot of other reasons that <laughs> yeah. could factor into that as well yeah. yes. yes but yeah i mean hmm. vision could have something to do with that hmm. yes and maybe just yeah okay good this has been great for me just to get the introduction of the concept of visual perceptual deficits and the types of children we're dealing with and kind of what we're looking at i am very intrigued and i think on our next podcast part two we will talk about assessment and treatment plans and goal writing and then get into the nitty gritty of, you know, what you do with kids who may be identified. Correct? Is that where we're going? Yes. Sounds great. Good. This has been very educational. Thank y'all. I've loved it. I've got more questions. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to ask you privately when I get you. But because uh, I think this is just intriguing. I don't know much about this and anything I don't know a lot about, I'm intrigued. So I'm very excited. This has been great. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah and Rachel. You're welcome. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks. So for the therapist out there listening, when you're treating the whole child, and we've talked about that in lots of different podcasts, I think the, all the information we've talked about today really is going to be valuable as you're treating the whole child to sort of look a little broader at 
speech and language issues, gross motor issues, and for the OTs also just fine motor issues, but also looking at vision because vision impacts all of those areas. So again, I think this has been great information and very applicable, and I'm really excited about the assessment, treatment, goal writing. That's going to really be a good one. So I appreciate everybody's time today. Enjoyed it, and thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 